Good morning, Big Ten fans. Welcome back to another edition of the Big Ten Morning Minutes. I'm your host, Michael Chen. Give me a follow on Twitter at MikeFChen. Go ahead and follow the show page on Twitter as well at Big Ten MM. It is Friday, January 24th, 2020. And yesterday saw the Big Ten have a little bit of coaching movement there. However, I think the biggest news is that another player has transferred from inside the conference to another conference school. And that player is Coy Cronk, the offensive tackle from Indiana. So we all know Cronk previously had played four years at Indiana. And this past year, he had been hurt early on in the season, got beat out by a younger player, and opted to transfer out. And this has been a common theme among Big Ten players that are transferring out. They're transferring to other Big Ten schools. And you're seeing it a lot. You've seen a couple of Ohio State players go off to Maryland. You're seeing Rutgers, uh, Jonah Jackson go to Ohio State. You know, you're seeing, like, when you look at Wisconsin, Aaron Krushank going off to Rutgers, there's there's a lot of movement that's happening inside the conference. And again, this is another one, I think, especially with Kirk Ferentz and losing, uh, you know, their, their big-time tackle in Tristan Wirfs, going out and grabbing a plug-and-play player like Kronk, it's going to be huge for the program. Uh, they've got Alaric Jackson on the other side. I think Jackson is a very high-level type of player. However, when you're losing a top 10 to 15 type of prospect, that's a big, big shoes to replace. And in order to do that, you know, you have to be a damn good player. And I think Kronk's going to come in and fit in very nicely for the Hawkeyes. Another quick note for the Hawkeyes. Looks like Nate Stanley will participate in the State Farm All-Star Football Challenge. Uh, that's happening next Friday, a week from today. So watch for Nate Stanley participating in that. Pretty neat over there. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, the coaching news came out of Purdue yesterday as Jeff Brom is rounding out his coaching staff. This time he is adding Terrence Jamison as the defensive line coach. And this is after naming Bob Diaco, the defensive coordinator, and Marty Badgey, their special teams coordinator, earlier this month. Badgey was earlier this week. And it's starting to come around for Purdue and Jeff Brom. You're starting to see the vision come around a little bit more. I think that the addition of Jamison and Diaco is pretty big. Jamison gets to work with one of the best freshmen in all of the land, be a rising sophomore in George Karloftis. And I think the issue for Purdue this past year was the defense. And I think that for a long time it has been since the Drew Brees days. And when you're looking at what they need, I mean, they're, they're bringing back the, arguably the best tandem of wide receivers in the country and Rondell Moore and David Bell. That's going to be impressive. So offensively, Jeff Brom has got his team moving and rolling, and I don't think it's going to be an issue on the offensive side. And I think he's finally realized that in order to win games in the Big Ten, you have to hold opponents down. And holding opponents down to between you know under 21 points, I think that gives you a lot of wins inside the Big Ten. And if you're able to do that, then 
that's a good recipe for success. So that's what Brom's looking at with the additions of Jamison yesterday and clearly Diaco earlier on in the month. Michigan has added to their 2024 schedule. They're having Fresno State. They're going to come to the big house for the opener. A solid addition to this, the class. You know, I, I just don't know how good Fresno State will be in Michigan when Michigan comes around, you know, on the schedule in 2024. It's so hard to tell because when you look at what's going on in college football, this is the 2020 season. This is four years away. Some of those players, or actually the majority of those players, they won't still even be on campus. So you just don't know what kind of program that Fresno State will be bringing in along with Michigan. And it's just kind of interesting to me when you see that, you know, it, it's just it's just different. It's not the same. Uh, it's going to be completely different players. So still pretty neat to see Fresno State come into the big house. 24-7 Sports released their most recent mock draft. It was actually two rounds. Uh, Chase Young goes second to Washington. Jeff Okuda going third to Detroit. I think those two are pretty much etched in pen at the current moment because you don't really see any other players. Their names are popping up in those two spots. At 7, Carolina would take Tristan Wirfs. At 13, Indiana is projected to take A.J. Epinesa. Right behind him at 14, Tampa Bay would take Penn State's defensive lineman Itor Gross Matos. Off to the second round at 39, the projection has Miami selecting Jonathan Taylor. At 46, Denver's taking K.J. Hamler right behind him at 47. Atlanta would take Zach Bond, talented linebacker from Wisconsin. At 51, Ohio State's Damon Arnett would be selected by Dallas. Again, right behind him, Ben Bredesen, Michigan's offensive guard, taken by the Rams at 52. J.K. Dobbins a few picks later by the Atlanta Falcons at 55. At 59, Seattle would select Donovan's Peoples Jones, and what? Let's go real quick about Seattle. I mean, they just drafted DK Metcalf. They have some solid wide receivers as well, and just adding on another big time prospect in Donovan's Peoples Jones. Man, they're really trying to give a lot of weapons to Russell Wilson. I like what they're doing there. If this holds true, right behind him, another Wolverine at 60, Caesar Ruiz, the offensive center for the early entry center for the Wolverines. And then rounding out the final Big Ten player in 24-7's mock draft would be 62nd. Green Bay would select Ohio State linebacker Malik Harrison. Solid showing for the Big Ten in the 24-7 mock draft, and we'll see if that holds true. Uh, some of these names are, are about right. You're seeing, you know, Young, Okuda, Wirfs, Epinesa and Gross Matos, I think you could say at this point in time, barring a significant injury, that those players are a lock for the first round. I've seen other names sneak in, you know, seen Zach Bond's name sneak in. We've seen Dobbins' name sneak in. Jonathan Taylor has snuck into a couple of them. Damon Arnett saw one a couple weeks ago where he would make the first round. So it'll be interesting to see how that shakes out. Like I said, it's the initial first five players that are almost locks in the first round, and then you're kind of looking at other stuff going on after 
that. All right, moving on to the hardwood. And the biggest news yesterday was, well, the two upsets <laughs> on the court. But to me, the bigger news was Illinois got news on Alan Griffin. And we all know Alan Griffin stepped on Sasha Stefanovic uh, a couple nights ago on Tuesday. They took a couple days to deliberate how long the suspension was. And like I said yesterday, I thought that it was going to be right around two to three games. Exactly what it was. It was two games for Griffin, and I think this is fair. However, Illinois coach Brad Underwood thinks it's uh, not fair at all. He doesn't think that that's the type of suspension that, or, or the type of action that warrants this type of suspension. I disagree with him. I think this is right in the lines of what you're looking for out of a, you know, an action like Griffin's. Yes, he apologized immediately. Like I said yesterday, uh, came out and you know, said that it wasn't his character. That uh, you know he actually chatted with Stefanovic after the game, you know, post game, and apologized there as well. But you know, actions are actions, and you could take apologies and you could feel bad about your actions, but there still has to be some sort of ramification. I'm not sure what Underwood wanted, to be honest with you, out of this. Uh, when you're looking at the fact that you know, he could potentially have been suspended longer, I think two games is right in line. It, you know, Griffin is not a starter. He's a big-time contributor off the bench, but you know, to me, that's just it's just odd. It really is. All right, moving on to the action last night. Wow, what a game in Columbus. And it was a game where the Buckeyes seemed to have this one at hand. And I'm not 100% sure of the timing on this, but at one point in time they had a 10-point lead in the second half. And then Minnesota decided, eh, that was enough of that, Buckeyes. We're going to take it to you, put the locks down on defense. The Buckeyes struggled mightily shooting in the second half. Daniel Oturu was pretty much shut down in this one. I thought that going into it, he would have a bigger game, uh, 11 points and six boards. It was Malik Carr that led the Gophers with 21 points and seven rebounds. And he ended up playing the final minutes with four fouls. So that was risky for Carr, but he was able to stay away from foul trouble, not foul out, and ended up playing almost the entire game 36 minutes Otur was fantastic like I said but it wasn't till the end where he really turned it on he took over the game and scored some really big buckets to get Minnesota in close back into the game and this one is like you know a game where you saw the Buckeyes just squander another game away uh, now sitting two and six in the conference uh, Caleb Wesson was one of ten for shooting one of ten didn't get to the free throw line and 14 rebounds but we're talking about a guy that was looked at as a big 10 an all big 10 type of player and he hasn't had an all big 10 type of season so it was not a good game for the buckeyes once again uh, luther muhammad just seems off uh, he only scored four points you know, Andre Wesson, the older brother of Caleb, six points, just really didn't have it. Kyle Young made it a game for the Buckeyes, really brought them 
he brought them back. He kept them in it. You know, he's the glue guy. I thought his return would be huge, and they would start winning some basketball games again. Well, that hasn't happened. And I'll tell you what, there's a freshman on the Buckeye team that getting a lot of run right now, DJ Carton, because I'm not enamored with C.J. Walker, but I don't know if Carton's really ready to really, really contribute at that high level he's very inconsistent yeah he shot fairly well but it was uh he still looks lost out there i think he makes a lot of silly mistakes uh, although the buckeyes had 12 turnovers to the gophers for it seemed like they were just fumbling the ball all over the place they might not have given uh, you know as many turnovers as possible there you know the statistician statistician couldn't spit that one out the statistician was going to give them so uh I, I, it's been a rough basketball season for the buckeyes uh leading into this game for the spartans the second game it was found out that brock washington has been suspended for undisclosed reasons uh, he's going to miss this game and the next because Michigan State's not stopping back in East Lansing after this game. They are going directly to Minnesota, and they're going to play, obviously, the Gophers in their next one. And I don't know if that made a huge difference. He's a walk-on. He's not really a big contributor. But regardless, they couldn't do anything in Assembly Hall. The Hoosiers got a W, 67-63 over the Spartans, uh, led by Trace Jackson Davis. He had 12 points, and Joey Brunk, he had 14. A solid showing again for the Hoosiers. I think they're, you know, a, a team that's right on the cusp of being ranked. I think if they shoot a little bit better from the free throw line, which is, to me, that's, that's a big question mark for them, 55% today or last night, I believe. And, you know, he it's just those are free points. You got to shoot. Minimum 70% to me, minimum. And when you look at, on the other side, what Michigan State did, they shot almost 45% from the field, almost 43% from three, 71% from the free throw line, and they lost. Kind of odd, right? When you usually put that mix of shooting percentage together, you're going to get a W out of that one. But... The Hoosiers played really solid defense. They caused 13 turnovers. Cassius Winston had three. Uh, Aaron Henry had five. And that was it. You know, Cassius Winston had a solid game, 17 points, five assists. Uh, Xavier Tillman almost had a double-double with nine points and ten boards. But not enough. Again, the wacky Big Ten continues. I mean, this is just it, – it's madness – that has been literally all season long. And who knows who's going to win the conference right now. I mean, the Spartans going into it were 6-2. and two. Now, or I'm sorry, 6-1. and one. Now with this loss, they're tied with the Fighting Illini at the top. The Illini is now, you know, they're going to be ranked again, most likely, you know, three weeks in a row. Brad Underwood has the team moving, although the the suspension for Griffin is significant because it's two games. I'm not sure. Like I said, I'm not sure he's going to be missed too much. You had a previously ranked Ohio State 
Michigan under way under 500 inside the conference each of them with two wins Michigan with five losses Ohio State with six I mean this has just been a crazy and absolute nutty basketball season so far this year and that's going to do it for me this morning on your Big Ten Morning Minutes I appreciate the listen go ahead and give me a follow on Twitter at Mike F. Chen follow the show site as well it's at Big Ten MM Give us a like on Facebook. It's Two Cents Pods. Rate us, review us, and share us on all of your listening platforms. Have a great weekend, Big Ten fans. Talk to you on Monday morning.